Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, I want to invite you to take out your Bible, whether it's a phone or electronic or a, or a hard copy, and go with me to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. Uh, we've been in the book of Exodus for, I think it's been about 23 weeks now. We're not doing verse by verse, but we're doing a lot of uh, thoughts through the book of Exodus. And in the last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with the golden calf. We talked about having, uh, you know, what not to do. You know, don't have an unholy cow. And what happens when you have that? Well, today I want to talk about the, the consequences of that. And, you know, what God designed our relationship to look like. So as I was thinking about this week, I found this quote. I want you to read this quote or see this quote with me. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you're willing to pay. Think about that for a moment. Is that true for you? You know, when, when you decide to go down a path to start lying to your spouse, you got to keep that lie going. And all of a sudden, what you thought was just a simple lie turned into something that's reoccurring and you've got to keep it up. It's something that you are longer than you really want it to be. And the truth is, when, it's, when you get caught, it costs you a lot. Now, that's, the same, that, that's the same as it can be in anything. Um, you begin stealing from an employer, lying to a spouse. Students with grades saying, oh, it's all good, Mom. It's all good, Dad. My grades are good. At some point, as I shared with you last week, your report card comes home. Now, they have this thing called electronics. And I get an update on my son's report card every week. Praise the Lord, they didn't have that when I was a kid. I give God all the praise for that. It would have been a bad day at the Carter house. But you see, the longer we keep that going, the harder it is. This morning we come to Exodus 33 we find ourselves with the, the, the people of Israel. They've come to a place with the golden calf and they're beginning to see the consequences. Listen, there's always consequences for our sins. And so this morning we see theirs. Would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy word? Beginning in verse 1, we'll read the first 11 verses. And the Lord spoke to Moses, go up from here and you and the people, uh, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. I'm going to stop right there. The people who brought up? No, no, no. At this moment, he changes the, 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 the pretext. You know, it had been my people. Since the golden calf situation Moses, it's you and the people you brought. Catch that. 
Uh, the people you brought from the land of Egypt to the land I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your offsprings. I will send an angel ahead of you and will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people. Otherwise, I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this bad news, they mourned and didn't put on their jewelry. For the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you stiff-necked people, if I went up with you for a single moment, I would destroy you. Now take off your jewelry and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites remained stripped of their jewelry from Mount Herb onward. Now Moses took a tent, pitched it outside the camp at a distance from, from the camp. He called, the tent, he called it the tent of meetings. Anyone who wanted, wanted to consult the Lord would go to the tent of meetings that was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand, each one at the door of his tent. And they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. As all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance of the tent, they would stand up, then bow and worship, each one at the door of his tent. The Lord would speak with Moses face to face, just as man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the, assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. You may be seated. So catch this picture. Last week we, we looked at, at what happened. Moses comes down. He's angry. He throws the Ten Commandments down. They shatter because of the people. He has the conversation with Aaron. What did they do to you to make you do this? In other words, he was giving Aaron the benefit of the doubt. Why, what, did they put a gun to your head? Why would you have done this? Only to find out they didn't. Aaron heard their cry and said, okay, bring me all, take your earrings out, your jewelry, and give them to me. And, and then he makes a golden calf. Now he makes the golden calf because we talked last week that calves were the symbol of God in Egypt. But remember Aaron, you know, he, he, he's, he's, he's like the rest of us. When we're confronted, we do just like Aaron. You know, it's those people, it wasn't me. I, I didn't do it, it's them. In fact, I only took the gold and I threw it in and out popped a calf. I, you know, I don't know how that happened. It just, that's what happened. So, so all that takes place and now we come to chapter 33 and God's angry. To the point that he says, listen, I'm going to send my angel, I'm not going with you. If I went with you, I'd I'm, 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 I'll just, I'd beat the tar out of every one of you. Now, God didn't say that. That would be my dad. You know, my dad, I'll beat the, never mind. Uh, I don't need a counseling session at this moment. Um, but that's the idea. Now, here, here's the thing. 
we're beginning to see the effects of the sin that's in their life. We're, we're beginning to see how that affects their relationship with God. And so this morning, let, let me give you some things. Here's the big idea I want you to catch today. Sin leads us away from the relationship God designed for us. However, repentance leads us back to the designed relationship. Catch that? Sin always leads us away from God. Repentance brings us back. At this moment, we've read nothing of Israel's repentance. They've just been the scolded child who just goes off. I mean, you, you, you knew when your parents were mad at you, right? I mean, you knew when to speak and when not to speak. You knew it was better to wait before you had a conversation because if you, if you went on and tried to explain yourself at this moment, ain't nothing good going to happen from that, right? Israel hasn't said anything. And so in the course of the conversation, God begins to have a conversation with Moses. Now let me unpack how this, these, these verses work out because there's a, there's a little bit here. First six verses is the conversation that God has with Moses and he has with the people. Then verse 7 through 11 is kind of an interruption because 1 through 6 goes with the rest of 12 and following through the chapter. 7 through 11 is just kind of a sidestep because the 7 through 11 is how Moses and God began to have a conversation. 1 through 6 and then 12 following is the conversation. Track with me? So let me, let me unpack some things from this text and help you understand what sin does. First thing is, sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. God gets to this point and he looks at them and says, I'm going to send my angel. So catch this, God is still a loving God. God's still going to provide. God's still going to give them the land of milk and honey. But God's going to step away. God's going to move away. Now, can God really step away? No, he can't. But can God get quiet? He sure can. Can God feel at a distance? He sure can. And, and the further we, the, the more we let sin into our life, the more that happens, the, the less we hear from God, the less we know what God wants, the less things happen. And so what feels like this separation, although God is still there, it's because we are listening more to the sin than to God. Let me give you three things that sin does for us. The first one is sin interferes with our relationship with God. Sin interferes with our relationship with God. Listen, we know how that happens, right? We know, we know, we experience that in our other relationships. We know when we mess up, we hurt somebody. Men, show of hands, how many have messed up in your marriage? You didn't do what she told you to do, forgot to bring home what she asked you, you know, Hands all across the board. Ladies, how many have messed up? Never mind, that doesn't happen. Forget it. Bad illustration. You get the point. 
when, when, we, when you mess up, it, it becomes a difficult situation at home. And, and not that forgetting to bring home something creates this big drama, but, but likelihood there's been some drama in your life at some point. You, you know what it is. And you know the strain that was put on that relationship during that period. All because something happened. All because... We didn't listen, we, weren't, we didn't obey, or we weren't faithful, we weren't filling the gap. Sin's the same way with God. When we continue to let sin lead our life, it interferes with that relationship because we're listening to that sin and not hearing the voice of God. And so it drives us away. The second thing is, sin causes us to ignore Jesus' sacrifice for us. Sin causes us to ignore Jesus' sacrifice with us. It comes to a place in our life where we begin to realize the sin, the pleasure, is, more, is greater than what Jesus did on the cross. And nobody, I, I've never met anybody who would say, I believe the pleasure of sin is greater than the sacrifice of Jesus, who, who's a believer. Now there are people in this world who will go, I like the pleasure of sin and I'm not sure about this Jesus character. But as believers, I've never met somebody who would tell me that the pleasure of sin is greater than the sacrifice of Jesus. But the way we live our life, continually falling into that pit of sin, that same one that, tri that trips us up all the time, we're basically saying that. We're basically saying, I just can't get over this and God's not powerful enough. His sacrifice isn't good enough. And that's not true. Look what the Hebrews writes. Hebrews 10, 26 says, Dear friends, if we, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. In other words, if we come to a place in our life and say, what Jesus did on the cross isn't good enough for this, I don't know what to tell you. Because what Christ did on the cross is greater than anything you and I will ever experience. And it, greater than any love that we'll ever experience. It, it has the ability to wash anything away, the sin away in our life. And the third thing, sin leads us to believe we're okay. And what happens is what we do in our sin when we think we're okay, it's we look at people and go, well, I'm better than they are. You know, Mike Thomason, I, I'm better than he is. And you know, Mike's a pretty good guy, but you know, I, I'm better than he is. I, I'm better than you start naming, well, you know, I, I know what's going on in so-and-so's in world, and I'm, I don't have it near that problem in my world. And what we do is we begin to justify the sin in our life. And we believe that we are, that we're Okay. And that is so far from the truth. 1 John 1, 8 tells us, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not, is not in us. We have to come to the place to realize we're all sinners. We all need, we're all in need of salvation. We're all in need of grace. 
I don't know about you, but I need God's mercy not once, but daily, multiple times. And we have to come to that place and understand that. Second thing we learn about sin is it should cause us to, should cause us to grieve. We should come to this place where we grieve over our sin. Look, look what happens uh, here. So verse, verse 5, well, I mean verse 4, sorry. When the people heard this bad news, what did they do? They mourned. They mourned. They grieved. They come to a place where they recognize what they did was wrong, and they begin to mourn. Now, they do more than just mourn at this moment. First thing they do is they acknowledge. That mourning comes with an acknowledgement because they came to a place where they realized, hey, we were wrong. You know, Israel had wanted that relationship with God. They wanted God, that closeness with God. And in a moment of sinful desire, they thought it would be better to make a calf, to make something they could see. And they were wrong. So they, they mourned over that. But they also repented of what they did. Now look, look, look with me at the text and see how they repented. So, so tell the Israelites, verse 5, you stiff-necked people, if, you, if I went up with you for a single moment, I would destroy you. Now catch this. God says, take off your jewelry, and I'll decide what to do with you. So Israel remained stripped of their jewelry from Mount Herb onward. Now here's a repentance. Here's where I want you to catch the repentance. They took off their jewelry. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about their jewelry. Where did they get it? Because they were slaves. They didn't have it. They got it from the Egyptians. Remember when they are leaving? Go to, the, go to your neighbor and get, get that kind of stuff. They'll, they'll give you all that plunder just to get you out of town. And so they did. They began wearing it. They were wearing it when Moses was on the mountain because Aaron looks at him and says, take the... Take the gold off. Take, take them out of your ears. Take, take those rings off. Give them to me. We'll, we'll make this calf. Now, it was a symbol of, of their success over the Egyptians. It's also stuff from foreign gods that were given. So here's the moment. God says, I want you to take it off. There's the word strip there. The word strip there gives the impression as they, they were readily, quickly getting rid of it, taking it off. And notice, God doesn't say, just don't ever wear it, but they come to a place in their life where they said, we're not going to wear it again. We don't want this reminder again. Repentance. Repentance comes to a place in our life where, where we, we recognize our mistake and then we turn and go a different direction. And they are turning away from that sin. They're not going to dabble in it anymore. It will be, you know, gold will be used for God's purposes, but we're not going to wear it anymore. See, they acknowledged and they repented. 
That's what you and I have to do in our own personal life. When we, when we come to a place in our life and we realize that there's sin dwelling in us, and that sin kind of dictates and controls us, we have to acknowledge that we are sinners in need of saving. And then we need to turn from that. Which leads me to the third thing. <laughs> the, the staff was betting this week how often I'd hit the thing or catch it with my coat. Um, third thing, God requires that we would worship him alone. God's going to require that we worship him alone. Now, when we look at this text, we, we don't quite see that, but here's what, where I come with this. You remember when Moses goes out to the tent? He's going to meet with God. They're watching Moses. I mean, get this. They're watching Moses knowing that there's an encounter with a God that's about to happen. So they all come to the, come to the, the tent, the door of their tent, and they watch. It's kind, of, it's kind of one of those things. They see him coming through the camp, and everybody's just watching. And when he gets to the tent and God comes down on the tent, what do they do? They, they bow and they worship. That's what God requires from us. He, he requires that from us, not, not, when we, not just when we make a mistake, but he requires that from us every day. He requires for us every day that we get up and we realize that we have the chance to meet God face to face. We have the chance to hear from God and we have a chance to, to worship God. That's what God requires of us. That's what we should be doing, not just in our sinful state, but in our everyday state. That's how we're to live our lives. Well, the fourth thing I want you to catch from this text. God's design is for a personal relationship with us. Now look there at the text again. Verse 7 through 11, as I told you, is kind of a sidebar. It's kind of, it's kind of what happened for Moses to hear the words 1 through 6 and 12 through 23. Catch what happens. Verse 7 says, Now Moses took a tent out, well, I'm sorry, pitched it outside the camp, a distance from the camp, and he called the tent of meetings. Catch this. Up until this point, God had met with them in the tabernacle. Where was the tabernacle? It was right there in the middle of camp. God would come and dwell among his people. Sin separates us from God. Now, Moses takes a tent, not the tabernacle, takes another tent, comes outside the camp. Not just... Not just a little, but outside the camp, away from the people. And that's where God comes. That's where God meets Moses. God's design is for a personal relationship with him. But when sin comes into the camp and becomes dominant, God moves to the outside waiting so God goes to this tent and Moses goes out to the camp. He's no longer dwelling with the people. 
In fact, the people had longed for God to be right there with him. That, that was the reason the golden calf. We, we, we'll have this calf right with us at all times. We'll see this. We'll, we'll know he's with us. And in doing so, they fall into sin. And now God says, I'll go out here. You've decided something else is greater, and I'll sit over here. When the way God designed us, he designed us for relationship, a personal relationship with us, so that we can have one-on-one. What we find is, in this text, is God wants to dwell in us. God will dwell in us when our life is in, in sync with his. There's this relationship that, that we grow. He's dwelling in us. We're, we hear God. We, we're listening to God. We're following God. We're obeying God. Oftentimes somebody will, will say, and I've even had this happen in my own life, I don't know what's going on right now. God just seems distant to me. God, God is just not as clear. I, I remember a period in my life when, when, when God was just crystal clear and I knew what God wanted and I was listening and I, when I would read God's word, I would, I would gain so much wisdom and knowledge and now it's just, it's just words on a page. When that happens to me or, or if I'm having that conversation with somebody, my question always turns to, so where, what else is going on in your life? Because God has created us for a relationship with him. He is dwelling in us. He sent his Holy Spirit. But if we're allowing something else to become God in our life, God's going to step aside and let let us until we realize that we're making this mistake. And for me, I can always come to this place where I go, oh, yeah, my quiet times haven't been that much because they've been more of a checklist to do rather than an opportunity to meet with, with God. Oh, life seems to be running at a faster pace than I need it to be and because of that, I'm not, I'm not being careful with time, with relationships. I'm not putting the things that the priority list in, in the right spot. You see, God never leaves us nor forsakes us. But he will be quiet. But the design is that he wants to dwell in us. And the design was that the tabernacle would be the place that the people would all be right there, that God would be in their midst, but because of sin, moved it to the outside of the camp. But God not only desires to dwell in us, but God will speak to us. Now the text tells us that, that Moses would, would have a conversation face to face with God. Now, Here's the thing, we, we, we get hung up on this because we know that the Bible says later that no one has ever seen the face of God. So why does it say that he meets him face to face? Well, nobody's ever seen the face of God. Real simple. 
It's just the conversation so that you know it's an intimate conversation that two people have. That it's, God didn't send it to him by text because we all know how impersonal text messages are. I guess he wouldn't have texted him there in, a, in an electronic form, maybe in a tablet form, you know, stone form. But it's a, it's a personal conversation, an intimate conversation. In other words, there was no question to Moses who was speaking to him because he knew it was God. And the thing is, God wants that for your life and for my life. He, he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. He speaks through his word. He speaks through events. He speaks in a variety of ways. But are we listening and are we putting him in his proper place so that we can hear him? Or are we just running through life at a pace that is not what God designed for us to run at? doing the things that God didn't design us to do. People of Israel at this moment know that God is angry with them. And the rest of the chapter is Moses saying, God, listen, we need you. Look at their heart, repent it, and God goes with them. He leads them. But I'm not convinced that would have happened had there not been true repentance on the part of Israel. The same thing with you and I. I'm not convinced God will move in your life, speak in your life, if there's not true repentance and a desire to be obedient and faithful. So what's our takeaways today? Well, the first one is our lives should reflect repentance. Our life should reflect repentance because every day, I know this to be true for me. I'm, I'm not going to judge you. I'll let God do that. I know every day I fall to sin. And before, we, before you go, yeah, but I'm falling into the little bitty sins, sin is still sin, right? Uh, let me back up. That would have been a great spot for an amen. I know you missed it. We fall into sin, and there's no such thing as little bitty sins, right? I mean, sin is sin. Gluttony is sin. Gossip is sin. Hatred is sin. Pornography is sin. Embezzlement is sin. The list can go on and on. You get the point. Every one of them, lying is sin. And so when we recognize what happens, there needs to be a repented heart to say, God, I am so sorry. I messed up. I shouldn't have said that. I was, I was sitting in a meeting the other day with somebody who, who I loved dearly. And, and as we were having a conversation, they were, they were, in all honesty, speaking the truth about a situation in, in, in a 
I'm just leaving it at that as a situation, and, and they had had a negative tone towards it. And I didn't take it bad. I didn't take it wrong. And I, I more or less agreed with the, with the issue. But they came to the point in the conversation, and not once, but twice before we left, it was myself and two other people, and they apologized and asked for forgiveness. Because whether it was true or not, it was not building up the kingdom to have those types of conversations. And I love that person. I've loved that person for many, many years. They've been a huge uh, mentor in my life and supporter. And that's why. Because they live out the biblical principle when they know something is sin and they've fallen into it, they want to repent of it quickly. That's what a repentant life looks like. One that, that and, and, and listen, they were sincere it wasn't, <laughs> you know, I know I shouldn't be talking like that. When people say that, there's no sincerity of that. They're not even sorry they said it. They know it's wrong. There's a repentant heart. Second thing we have to do is our life should reflect a, a spiritual growth. If you want to grow spiritually, wisdom and knowledge, there has to be repentance of the sin in your life. When that takes place, then you're going to have a relationship of growth, of dwelling with the Holy Spirit and God speaking in your life. But all that goes hand in hand. All that goes together. Not, it's not just one package. It's, it's going together. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to admit you're wrong. It is, isn't it? I mean, nobody likes to be wrong. Nobody, nobody likes to have to go and say, I'm sorry. But if we're going to restore the relationship that God desires us to have, that has to take place. At 16 years old, um, I, 16, 17, somewhere in that neighborhood, I grew up you know, working, uh, worked a little bit uh, for a um, Winn-Dixie, a grocery store, that kind of stuff. But I also worked on farms. Uh, Hardin County had a whole, whole lot of farmers, and I, I knew a whole lot of farms, farmers. Um, and so summer seasons would come, and they would need, they'd need strong, able backs who would put up the hay. Uh, did a lot of square bales for, for dairy farms and those types of things. Had, had a guy that, I, I'll never forget, a good friend of mine worked for him, worked on the dairy, and I've been wanting to, to work for him because I knew he needed a lot of help. And I had an opportunity one, one day to help him. Several of us were helping him that day, and when he got into, we got into a conversation uh, about one of my friends and how he had put him to work, and he was just as lazy as they come. Said, I never asked him back. You know, he just soft, those types of things. Later, later, a few weeks later, the friend of mine said, you know, I've tried to work for that guy. And, and he's never called me back. And I said, well, I'll tell you why he didn't call you back. You little lazy thing, you. He went home and told his parents. His parents told the neighbor. The neighbor told the farmer. Ernie didn't get called back. 
And I didn't know. Months go by. Probably a season goes by. I asked my friend, I said, how come he didn't call me back? He said, you want to know why? Yeah. Because you spoke out of turn. He didn't aim for you to go tell the kid he was lazy. He didn't want to embarrass the kid. He just wasn't a good worker. But you went and told him. He told his parents. They told the neighbor. Neighbor told him. He got himself in a mess all because you opened your mouth. I said, well, I got to make that right. 17 years old. I drive up this driveway, long driveway to this dairy farm. It's the hardest conversation. At that time in my life, probably one of the hardest conversations I'd ever had. I get out of my truck and I walk up to the guy's house, knock on the door. He comes out, called him by name. And I said, I, I'm here to apologize. I'm not here to get a job. I'm not here to, for you to ever call me back, but I'm here to apologize. I should have never opened my mouth. Wasn't my place. Wasn't what I should have done. And I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm not sure he'd ever had a 17-year-old look at him and say, I messed up and I'm sorry. He appreciated my, my words. He appreciated my thought. He said, I, I, won't, I won't promise you I'll ever call you. I said, I'm, I'm not after you to ever call me again. I didn't come to try to get back and work for you. I came because I owe you an apology. Got in my truck and I left. Several months went by and he called, gave me another shot. And I made sure that I, that I honored him in the right way. We have to come to a place in our life where we can say, I'm sorry. We live in a world of people who don't want to acknowledge they're wrong. We live in a world that people want to point the finger to somebody else. That only drives us away from God. That only drives us further from where God wants us to be. We need to live a repentant life, acknowledging our mistakes, regardless of, regardless of what it is. Listen, Adam, uh, God didn't look at Adam and go, hey, you're off the hook because she's the one that ate it and gave it to you. Even though Adam went, that woman you gave me, he was still at fault. This morning, I want to ask you, are you growing in your relationship with God? Is God dwelling in your spirit to a point where you hear and respond? Just a moment, our hymn of invitation will sing. If you're online with us or watching us on television, we want to give you a telephone number to respond to today. 270-681-2363. 270-681-2363. You can respond today. You can just you can call that number or text that number. Either one you can do. If you want to text it, you say, I need to talk, and we'll call you. We'll, let, we'll get with you. If you're here in the room this morning, while we, we don't do an invitation where you come to the front here with everything going on, but we will meet you right outside these doors. I'll be out there. Mike Thomason will be there. We'd love to talk with you. If you just come out the door and say, hey, I just need prayer and I don't want to talk about anything else, we'll pray with you. If you come out the door and say, hey, would you pray for 
friend of mine. We'll pray for that friend. But if there's a decision on your heart, whether it's to join our church family, is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you do that today. Remember, in order to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you've got to come to the place where you mourn over that sin that you have and you repent from that and you turn, just as Israel did. Would you do that today? Will you stand with me?